What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Dark Waters. I'm your host, Josh. Happy Friday. Congratulations. You made it through another week. I hope it was a good week. Uh, hope everyone's excited about the weekend. I know people are going to Table Rock right now, getting ready to throw down. Uh, good luck, safe travels, and have as much fun as you possibly can. Uh, wish I could make that trip. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, what a week. Uh, the injury, the uh, the fishing, like it's uh, a lot of shit was cramming this week for me. Uh, but uh, all is good. Caught some fish, uh, getting through this injury, uh, walking a little better right now. So can't complain too much, right? Things can always be worse. Uh, things are starting to open up a little more down here. I think we're what they call phase two. Uh, so things are opening up. I think I can get a haircut tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but uh, we'll see. But uh, man, I hope everyone else is doing good. Like I said, uh, you know, good week, table rock, a lot of good shit happening this weekend. Um, if not, I hope you're at least getting on the water and, uh, You'll be able to catch some fish this weekend. Um, but uh, hit me up, man. Uh, make sure you guys tag me in your pictures, your videos, man. Keep putting putting up with that good content, man. I love seeing it. Uh, but uh, other than that, we'll just jump right into this thing. Uh, Got to thank my uh, supporters real quick. Outdoorsman Coffee. I've talked about them enough. Great coffee. Had some this morning before I went out in the water. Uh, caffeinated, man. That's you got to be caffeinated sometimes. You can't be going out in the water without being caffeinated. That's the wrong move, right? But uh, make sure you use uh, Darkwater15. Get yourself a discount. Get yourself some coffee. Uh, Zone Lures. That, that that's who I get my plastics from. Uh, great company. Uh, great products. But uh, use uh, Capital D, Capital W, fifteen. Get yourself a discount. But uh, those are my people. I uh, can't think of them enough. But uh, we'll jump right into this. Uh, next guest needs no introduction. He's the bass squash hunter. He's got his own TV show, podcasts. Uh, just all. Just a busy dude. Uh, Mike McKinstry, man. Great guy. Great friend. Uh, love having him on the show. Uh, this episode, we talked about a lot of you know interesting things. Uh, obviously, the COVID-19 thing got brought up and how it affected him and, and his show, The Bass Squash Hunter. Um, and then we talked about, you know, the world of uh, pro staff and sponsors and, you know, just kind of like his experience going through the whole process, becoming, you know, who he is and you know, what his show and everything's become. So it was great to talk to someone like that because he's got a wealth of knowledge. So people who are trying to make it in the fishing world, whether through podcasts, professional anglers, TV, whatever, whatever you're trying to do in this, this crazy little world of ours, uh, he's done a lot. So uh, I enjoy having to him. He's a great guy. Wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, you know, just a really good human being. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely have him on here again. But, uh, yeah, I can't thank the guy enough for uh, coming on the show. But, uh, yeah, man, have a great weekend. Uh, make sure you guys tag me. I want to see what you guys are doing. Uh, if you're having fun, don't leave me out. So, uh, but anyways, man, that's enough for me. I'm done talking. Uh, yeah, whatever. Fuck. I'm, I'm talking too much. I've been drinking early today. So anyways, we'll talk to you guys soon. Ciao. All right. Oh, wait. Let's turn it around. All right. All right. Cool, man. Well, welcome back to the Dark Waters, Mike. Uh, glad to have you back on. How you been lately? Uh, good. I've been wearing a lot of hats because I can't get a haircut, so. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Now, you're out of uh, the Michigan area, right? Yep. Yeah, the lockdown state. Yeah. Are you guys still locked down pretty tight? Yep. For about two more weeks, I think. Okay. Have you, have you guys started going in phases at all? Nope. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Restaurants are still carry out only and uh, barber shops are closed and pet groomers are closed and everything's closed. Yeah. It's pretty much like that here in New York. We're a little more open now with like uh, construction working and uh, we can do we can do now like stores can do curbside pickups and things like that. But uh, we're looking back another two weeks before we, we really start to see like all the uh, whatever you want to call it. Everyone else. Everyone calls them non-essential, but we're all missing them pretty bad right now. So they're pretty yeah. essential to me. So everything should be open up. You know, start to open up back in a week or two, but uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to have you back on the show. Uh, you know, a lot of things changed since the last time we talked. Uh, you know, and a, lot, and a lot of things, uh, especially with my show, a lot of, a lot, there's been a lot of growth, a lot of things that have uh, that you know passed my way. That they kind of like you know little forks in the road that are like forced me to go in some different directions or whatever I want to do. And so I was like, it'd be cool to talk about with someone who's you know been there, done that, or at least has some experience with it. 
Um, and so I was like, man, might be a good guy to talk to. And plus, you wear, your heart, you wear your heart on the sleeve, and you're always you're open about your stuff, anyways, whether it's on your uh, your Instagram or Facebook account or you know your podcast. So I'm like, oh shit, this is pretty good doing the show and talk. Uh, but before we did, you, that, did you know that my newest tattoo is literally my heart on my sleeve too? I got. Yeah, uh, I must have missed I, that one. I got a, a heart with a guitar going out of it on my sleeve. Nice, nice. That's now, my newest now, one. Now I'm guessing that's uh, pre-COVID-19. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that was about six months ago. Uh, I wanted to match. I have a, a fish with a camera on this side, and I wanted to match something I was passionate about that meant a lot on the other side. So I did the heart with the guitar going out of it. Nice, nice. All right, well, I, the first thing I kind of want to talk about, because, uh, you know, this COVID-19 thing has been, uh, it, it's new. it was new to all of us coming out of nowhere. We all had, you know, plans for 2020. You know, not all is gone, but all has definitely changed. Uh, you know, you, you know, this was a big, big moment for you because of the show and everything um you know, how have things changed for you lately just like on a personal level like as far as your uh your show your fishing and everything else uh involved well the fishing hasn't really been impacted because that's never been stopped like we can still go kayak fishing this whole time but it's hard because my production company is considered non-essential so there my producer is not allowed to open his office up which means the insurance is not active on his camera equipment which means we're not using the big production gear right now um i can't have more than one camera guy at a time i can't have a crew out i can only have one person at a time so they're socially distanced um i can't uh rent boats or do uh we had to cancel five episodes we had planned um that that were already written already ready to go um scheduled months in advance for march and uh we had to cancel them because one of them was fishing out of a seaplane and we couldn't be in a seaplane anymore next within like three feet of somebody. Um, we had a bunch of schools that we were supposed to do seminars at and uh, hand out free fishing rods to a bunch of kids. And we had to cancel those um, summer camps, like all the, all the extra stuff that I like to do on the side where I donate a lot of stuff and do seminars was all canceled fishing shows, demo days. Um, you know, everything was changed. So we've had to run some reruns on the show. Uh, we've been rerunning. So like one week will be a new episode. Like this week is a new episode. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, the show airs. So this week's a new episode and it's going to rerun next week again. So we've had to kind of double up our episodes just because we didn't get to film in March. We're filming right now. Um, but we took March and April off just waiting to see if we could reschedule stuff. And now that we saw we couldn't reschedule them in May, then we just started just kind of winging it and writing new episodes and, um, yeah, they're still really good episodes. They're awesome. They're just not what we had originally planned. We're going to do that later in the year or wait for next season. Well, how do you think, cause you know, you're not the only one affected by this. So I guess it, I wouldn't say it makes it easier, but you know, like when you're, when you're, ice, when, when you're isolated, you know, or whatever, then, you know, you can really feel like the, the heat of something, but like, since everyone's been kind of affected about the, you know, like the, uh, the channel that, that brought you on and like the expectations that they have, you know, have they changed the way they operate a little bit as far as the way they're dealing with all the people who are looking to put content on their uh, their network and everything? Um, not re- I mean, not really. I mean, Pursuit Channel, where my show airs, is a great network. Like, they're great people. Um, they're all working from home right now, too, so they're kind of scattered, and they're not as uh, – they're not used to it as much. So it's kind of like office space where I have, like, five bosses. Like, you know, one guy at the network will call me and email me. Then another one will call me and email me about the same thing, and they don't – they can't communicate as well. So it's been a little bit, um, they've had to adapt a little bit and try to get things a little bit faster. My deadlines all moved up faster for when my episodes were due to the network, um, which speeds up everything. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. When, when I film an episode, it's not like it was when it was on YouTube where I could film it. I come home, I stay up all night editing it, and then I publish it, and then it's gone. It's to the world. It's done. Um, right. With production TV, it's. Com- I mean, it's just... It's a process. I mean, I, we go out and film it. We have to write our logs and write our, um, you know, label all the footage, send it off to the editor, um, which would normally be in the office. But since the editor is working from home right now, then we have to send it out to the editor. Um, and they go back and forth. And we have these different programs we use to go back and forth. With, look, we just did one today, actually, this morning. We go back and forth live, watching it with notes with the editor, me and my producer. And they make changes in different drafts and send it back. And then I have to send it out to get closed captioning done. I have to get the music logs registered. I have to do the TV guide descriptions. I mean, it's just like a, it's like this really big thing now. So um, it, it's not as simple as it used to be with just going out and filming and coming home and doing it. It's just it takes, it takes a week um, just to – you know, film and finish an episode before it even gets edited, you know? So, um, the network's been good with everything, but my deadlines all moved, moved forward for all that stuff. So the stuff that takes a week to get done like that, it's a full-time job, just managing the show myself. 
um, all that moved up quicker. So now my deadlines are tighter. My deadlines are a lot faster approaching. Um, everything is done a little bit. Uh, I, it's hard to say there's more steps involved now, I guess you could say. Right. So yeah. it, it takes a little bit more time. So other than that, it's, it's all the same process. It's all the same as it was before the lockdown. I just don't have as many cameras. I don't have the bigger cameras. Um, we're kind of, uh, making things work a little bit differently. Um, you know, we're still using great gear and stuff. Obviously we're just making it instead of using, uh, you know, two or three camera guys to get the angles. We're redoing the same shot multiple times with this one camera guy from different angles. You know what I mean? Right. So it'll look the same to the viewer for the most part. It just takes 10 times longer and more work on our part, more creativity. So when do you think you'll go back into, uh, production or whatever you call it, whatever you you call it, like when do you think you'll actually be filming again? Um, so we filmed last week. Um, I filmed this week. Um, I'll be filming. I think we have two dates scheduled for next week, but they're all, uh, we're not doing, so I do pay it forward segments, the charity segments a lot. Um, a lot of those were canceled already. So we've been getting creative with those. Um, and I haven't only been filming a lot of those lately because I feel like, um, it's a, it's a weird thing to, uh, it's a weird thing to film like pay it forward segments in my opinion, because I feel weird sharing it almost. I feel like it, it takes some of the, it, it, for some people, it takes some of the genuineness out of it. Right, if it's filmed. Right. But at the same time, like I get messages all the time from people saying, Hey, I watched that video of you doing this and it inspired me to do this too. And you know, that's why we do it. That's why we film it and share it. Cause I want people to see how easy it is to actually make people's lives better. Um, so I've done a lot of charity things during the COVID um, lockdown and I haven't filmed any of them yet. And I have one set up that I'm going to be filming this week finally, because it's one that I think will actually, it, it, I don't think it's going to uh, exploit the virus. I think it's going to be a good thing for people to see and go, Oh, that's a cool idea. Like I should do that too. And so we got one of those we're filming finally. Um, and uh, ho- I'm hoping June 12th, I think was Michigan's release date. Um, so I think uh, the middle of June is when we're going to be back filming and I'm hoping in full force. Like I said, it all depends on, I mean, who knows some of these places I was supposed to film at some of the guests I had, maybe they're not going to feel comfortable being around people yet. I I mean, it's all, I mean, are we going to, are we going to try to film in masks the whole time? Like, I'm not really sure how it's all going to work out yet. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Like, what are your thoughts on like, you know, when things do start opening a little bit, uh, especially where you're at the the traveling, because that's been something with me, like, you know, these, 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 these tournaments are trying to open back up. I'm like that's great, you know. I want everyone to, you know, I want life to get back to whatever like normal is going to be, and I, I want everyone to be successful, and I want everything to, you know, stay open and and and, and whatnot. But uh, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about traveling. You know, if there's a tournament in uh, Pennsylvania, is that worth the six hours to, to travel? Like, what are going to be the restrictions there? Are hotels going to be open? Is the campgrounds going to be open? Or you know, what's you know how many people can be at one place, you know, at one place at one time. So all these things that I think about, like as far as, you know, whether, whether you're doing a show or you're getting ready for a tournament, there's the whole logistics part of it that you got to think about. And, uh, you know, right now with it being so just, it's just, it's hard to rush. And like, cause there, there are no like real absolutes right now. Yeah. And I don't think there's going to be for a, a long time. I mean, in my, just my personal opinion, this is not scientifically based. Obviously I think, I think this whole virus thing is going to come back in the winter time. Um, during normal flu season, you know, everyone's going to assume it's the virus, even if it is just the flu. But um, I think it's going to come back in a second wave in the winter time when, you know, everything gets, you know, active again. But um, I don't know. I mean, personally, I'm not flying anywhere the rest of this year now. Um, as of right now, at least, ICAST was canceled. So that was the only trip I still had scheduled that I haven't canceled yet. Um, and then when ICAST got canceled, that was my Florida trip. So um, I am going to be traveling a little bit, but it's going to be driving and it's going to be within, you know, four hours or less. And, um, I'm not going to be staying at hotels. I, I, I don't, I'm weird about that too. I'm kind of a germaphobe, um, in some ways, like already in normal life. So I, I wash my hands a lot. I hand sanitize all the time. That was kind of like, you know, a hidden bonus when this whole thing happened and everyone was panicking about hand sanitizer. I was like, well, I always have like 10 bottles of it at home. Like I just, <laughs> you know, every seminar I do a boat show, I do every time I shake someone's hand, I turn around and hand sanitize and then I do it all the time. Yeah. Um, so that was a good part about that part. But, uh, I, I think it's gonna be a while before things get back to absolute normal. And I don't think it's going to happen until next year, to be honest. Um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm personally like I'm going to the store as soon as we're done with this interview and I'm wearing a mask and, um, I wear a mask every time I go out anywhere. Um, I've got three or four in my car at all times. So anytime I get out of my car, I put one on, um, you know, I, I haven't been in, in groups of people, even when I have a camera guy with me, we're six feet or more apart the whole time. Um, and before I touch a camera or anything like that, we Lysol wipe it or something first. So, uh, 
I don't know. I think that this virus has taught everybody to be a little bit more cautious, which is good. I think everyone's going to be a little bit more, um, you know, I, I catch a fish with one hand and then eat something with the same hand. You know, I don't really care about yeah. that stuff. Like, I, I feel like that a lot of fishermen do that. Like, I'll put, you know, I'll put open food on my kayak floor that I step on all day and eat all. Like, I mean, it's just one of those things. I don't know how many times I've worked on the engine of my truck and had like a piece of pizza on the engine and just eat it and put it back. And like, you know, so I'm not a germaphobe when it comes to that stuff. But when it comes to other people, I've always been kind of cautious, you know, so I think that's going to stay the same. And I think everybody should just be at least be aware. I don't think everybody has to follow the same guidelines because, you know, some people that don't have um, any risk at all, if they're in good health, they're still at risk to get the virus and transmitting it. So I think everyone should be careful and safe. But at the same time, I don't think everyone's going to, you know, there's right. a lot of people that I know personally that are, have been protesting and they're just like, well, the governor can't tell me what to do. And, you know, it's just stupid. And, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. I just think once it opens back up, I just hope that all the businesses can, you know, prosper from, you know, everyone wanting to go spend more money again and get it outside. And I hope a lot of the businesses that were hurting can build back up and bounce back. And everybody who's lost their jobs can hopefully get it back. Um, you know, I just, I just hope everything gets returned to normal as far as people's lives go. Well, do you think, like, well, how many people, like, you know, as you start getting ready to salvage or plan for whatever you can for the rest of the season, um, like, how many people do you got to plan for? Um, like, as far as, like, my crew or, like, Yeah, like yeah, because cool. it's not like it used to. I, I mean, I would love for you to come back to upstate New York like you did back in the day, just yourself, your truck, and your, your camera, but I know that it's a little more complicated than that. Uh, like, so, like, what do you really got to, like, plan for is, like, logistic? Is it you and three other people plus the, the safety restrictions and, like, how comfortable, like, like, what is that like? Yeah, well, it's all different. So we've had some video shoots and we've done episodes where we had a seven-person crew. Um, we have – most of the time it's probably two to three people um, plus me, my producer and a camera guy, um, and then my intern um, and maybe a guest actually. Uh, but I always invite people out. So if I go to upstate New York, for example, um, I post that I'm going – where I'm going, where I'll be there, when I'll be there, and I'll just say, hey, come in, sign a waiver. Here's the rules. And if you want to be in the episode, be in the episode. Come in and fish with us. If you catch a fish, you'll be in the episode. Um, so you never know. I mean, I've had nine people in an episode one time. You know, it, it all depends on who shows up and what area we're in and stuff like that. But um, logistically, I have to travel with – like uh, I always plan for two people. I always plan for my producer – my producer and an intern, um, or just my producer if it's a small enough shoot. I like to keep it as small as possible. I mean, when you know, I have to pay for it. So, you know, if I got to pay for three people, I'd rather pay for two. Um, filming is a lot easier with more camera people, but at the same time, it's easier to manage when there's only one because filming boats to set up or filming from kayaks or wherever we're filming from, it's tougher the more people you add to it, obviously. Um, so with this whole virus thing. I want to keep everybody six feet apart at least for a while. Um, so I don't want right. to have camera guys piled up on a boat and um, I don't want to have, uh, you know, my intern and a, my producer sharing a kayak or anything like that. You know, like I want to make sure I can keep everything separate. So you're going to see a lot more stripped down filming for me for the rest of the year, probably where I'll be right. one camera guy. Uh, like I said, we'll just, instead of spending five or six hours filming a segment, we're going to spend 10 to 12 hours filming. If we have to, we're going to film the same thing twice from different angles and, um, I, I, I don't have a separate drone pilot right now, so we got to take a break from filming to do the drone stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, everything has evolved and changed. And if I can keep it down to a one person or two person crew the rest of the year, I'll be happy. I mean, you know, my budgets have been cut with the virus too. So I'm hoping yeah. that if I can, if I can adjust and keep it down to one or two people, it'll be safer. It'll be easier. Um, you know, go from well, there. What about like the direction because, I mean, obviously I've been following you for about two, maybe three years now, you know, before you were on this and you were on the other channel. But, like, I've watched you do shows where, like, you went to Utah and had, you know, a cool experience there. And you went, you know, fish for sterlings here. Uh, what, what is kind of direction that you're looking to do? Are you looking for for different type of fishery? Are you looking to do uh, different le- – like, what, what's the direction that you want, the, like, the kind of show to go now? Because now it just seems you're going to – it's just kind of like – you're, you're going to be limited, so you're going to be limited in travel, uh, state restrictions, the people who are willing to go out there and be your host and things like that. So uh, what, what are some of the things that you're thinking about doing that just, you know, to give us a heads up? Like, I mean, you, you want to target smallmouth one day, walleye this day, go shoot for sterlings one day. Are you looking for Pacific places and maybe and that's that, that's the direction of the show? Like, what are you thinking? Uh, so it's, it's definitely changed a little bit with uh... – with the whole everything um we had a lot of trips planned out of state for different species but 
the cool part about Michigan is, you know, the lake that's right behind my house has nine species in it. Um, yeah. You know, there's and there's 25 lakes within 10 minutes of my house, and they all have something to offer. So um, the way the show has been the whole season is the same way it's going to be the rest of the season, where um, there's three segments of the show. The first segment's kayak fishing, um, whether it's for bass, crappie, walleyes, tr- uh, trout, salmon, uh, whatever it is. The second uh, segment is either a continuation of the kayak fishing or if we have like a duck hunting guest with us that we took fishing, then we'll go duck hunting the second segment. Um, or if we have a NASCAR driver fishing with the first segment with us, then we'll go to the NASCAR race for the second segment. Um, you know, if we have a gun guy, we'll go do something with guns. The second segment. Like it, it will relate to the first segment, but or we'll fish out of a boat or a jet ski or from the shore, from a dock. We try to show a different way of fishing so it's not just kayak fishing. So the show is the three segments of the show will show two kinds of fishing. Um, and then also and possibly two different species. And then the third segment is either a continuation of second segment or it's a pay it forward or charity segment that we did um, that we want to be able to share with people. So as far as it changing, it's not going to change this season, at least. I, I'm not sure. I mean, we're going to be filming in the fall for next year. So it all depends on what happens with the uh, if there is a second wave or anything happens in the fall. Um, but in the fall, we have a lot of trips planned for next season. So, I mean. I don't know, man. It's going to be tough, but this year we're just doing what we can. And, and, you know, the, the, the new episodes airing right now, that's going to, or that's going to be airing this coming up week is uh kayak fishing um, that we just filmed recently uh, for bass. And second segment is bass fishing from a boat in Tennessee that we filmed um, like literally right before the lockdown. Um, and then the third segment's a pay it forward charity segment that we're filming this week, actually, um, or tomorrow we're finishing it. Um, so every every episode is still going to be kind of the same where we're we're going to be targeting bass mostly throughout the whole show. But there's going to be those extra segments where we're going to do a walleye segment, a crappie segment, um, you know, fishing from a jet ski, fishing from a dock or a shore. Um, you know, I had a really cool idea the other day, actually. I was out fishing on a lake that I grew up on and there was a bunch of kids that uh, me and my camera guy were out there. Um, I don't know my editor. My editor was out with me that day. And we went out and there was three kids that ran from their house to the, the dock. They're probably, I don't know, seven, eight years old, maybe the oldest. And they all they all have like little buckets. They have like little kids fishing rods. And you can see how excited they were. They're all running towards the dock. And it just like hit me. I looked over at my editor. And I was like, hey, I have an idea. I'm like, I'm going to go buy a bunch of kids rods from Walmart or Target, wherever I get them from or Amazon or something. I'm going to start bringing them with me everywhere I go. And when I see stuff like that, I'm going to go up to them and go, hey, man, here's some new rods and here's some baits and let me show you how to use them. Have fun fishing. Um, so I, I want to try to include that in one of my episodes to try to encourage other people to do this stuff like that, too, because um, it costs, honestly, it's like between 10 and 15 bucks for a kid's rod and five bucks worth of baits. And so for 20 bucks, you can make some random kid extremely happy and probably get them addicted to fishing the rest of their lives, you know. Right. So. Um, so I'm going to try to incorporate st- more stuff like that where I'm trying to be more creative with ways that I can do what I want to do in the show uh, without being able to travel or be able to do the big groups of the school, the summer camps or the schools and, you know, other stuff. So the show won't change much. It'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be evolving, but it'll stay kind of the same. We're going to fish for every species we can and uh, try to do as many pay it forward segments as we can still and just try to be a little more creative with it. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, uh, it's gonna be like, the harder part of the show because like I got the idea from listening to uh, Robert Frost. Oh, is it Robert Frost, the uh, the other guy? Robert, no, Robert Field. Fields. Robert Field. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm horrible with names. That's but, fine. Uh, I he, think Robert Frost is a writer or something. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Robert Fields, my bad, dude. If if, if he doesn't listen to the show, I guarantee it. But uh, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna but, I'm gonna tag him in it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, but I was curious because you know, you know, as far as like uh, you know, in, in the kayak community, like. The, the people who really get the sponsors and live off, you know, that that way of living is, is being like you and him, like some of these guys like that that are, that are doing these shows and things. And I was curious, like, have you, how's it how's it affected you, like, don't, not your personal fight, but like, I mean, like, the sponsors cut first, like, you know, how, how's how's it working with sponsors right now, like getting the things you need, getting the things that you want, because uh, because I, I figure like they gotta be getting hit too, especially with some of them, you know, if it's a fishing lure company that are dealing with. China and things like that, you know, are, you know, supplies coming in, things like that. Um, well, honestly, it's um, it's kind of the opposite. Okay. Um, almost every fishing company is doing extremely well right now, um, which I was surprised to hear that too. But it made sense once I started talking to a few companies. And uh, with ICAST being canceled, I've been doing a lot of meetings, um, a lot of Skype and Zoom and FaceTime meetings with companies um, earlier in the year, which is nice. And I've been kind of surprised to hear how they're all doing because, yeah, all the big box stores are closed right now. 
Right. Um, so at first, everybody panicked. Um, every manufacturer, whether it was a kayak manufacturer or a fishing bait or whatever it was, they all panicked because they're like, crap, all of our orders are canceled. What do we do? Well, then like two or three weeks later, so a lot of companies were like, stop production, stop production. Two or three weeks later, everyone's online sales just like went up like tenfold. And because nobody's leaving their house, everybody's online shopping. When you're bored at home, <laughs> Jack you know, Hammers and yeah, you're getting unemployment or a stimulus check or whatever you're getting by being stuck at home. All of a sudden you're like, well, I can just go online and order everything. So like, I mean, Z-Man has been sold out of almost everything the whole, this whole time. I mean, they yeah. can't keep anything in stock. Um, Railblazer and Yaki are my accessory sponsors. They, I've asked them for a couple of things for myself that I wanted because I'm re-rigging one of my new kayaks. And they're like, dude, we are out of everything. Like, I, we didn't expect this. Like, and I'm like, all right, just, you know, when you get them in, you know, take care of the customers first. Or when you have, when you have extras, then let me know when I get mine. Um, you know, every brand, you know, Feel Free Kayaks has been, they sold out their entire spring inventory um, oh, within wow. a month. Um, and they're playing catch up now too, like everybody else is. Be, not because the big box stores are open, because they're not, but because everyone's ordering online. Everybody. Right. So all the fishing companies are doing really well. Now, when it comes to guys like me and Robert Field and the guys are doing this for a living, most of us um, get our products directly from the sponsor. We don't get them from dealers. So we're kind of last resort because the dealers come right. first, which is totally understands the way it should be. Um, customers and dealers are always first. The hard part is, is now everyone's running out of everything. So like right. I'm running, I'm running low. I just did a Z-Man order. I think it was two weeks ago or a week ago. I got last week. I got it in. And I had to cut my order down like super small because everything was sold out and I just, there's nothing I can do about it. Some of the local stores have them around me, but I was like, yeah, I'll leave those for the people, for the customers. Like I'll just, I'll wait. So I've been like every week I've been checking back on websites and, you know, seeing how they're doing. But I, I mean, every fishing company is doing great right now. I mean, it's kind of a, kind of a double-edged sword with this whole thing. You know, they're losing a lot of their dealer sales and a lot of the dealers are hurting, which you know is terrible. I hope the dealers are, are doing pickups and uh, doing curbside pickups. And, you know, a lot of the dealers should be doing that so they can kind of stay in business a little bit um, within the state's guidelines, obviously. But, man, the companies themselves, I was shocked. They're all doing – Yeah, that's, good. that's, that's crazy. Yeah, because I, I was a little worried about people who are sponsored because they, you know, they always say, that, you, know, the, you know, the sponsors – or the, the company's going to cut the sponsorships first. Uh, but – you're right. Like everything I even I try to order stuff and I can't find all the things I need right now. Yeah, uh, that, I was nervous yeah. too. I, I called some of my sponsors when all this thing first happened, and I'm like, "Hey, are you guys cutting me off? Like, I know we have a contract, but contracts change when something like this happens. So, like, right. you know, I'm not I'm not a bad person. I'm not gonna ever talk to a company that's hurting for money and say, "Well, we we have a contract and you owe me this." It's like if they can't do it, then we're not like you know, my job is to grow that company, and that company's job is to grow me. And right. if, if they're in a financial situation where they can't do that, I can't benefit them anymore either. So, you know, I don't contracts are just are there for a reason, I guess. But, you know, I I've worked outside of contracts with every brand I work with for a reason, you know. So I was worried at first. I called every, every single brand I work with. And I was like, hey, if you guys are in trouble or if you guys are hurting, let me know in advance, please. Like, just give me a heads up. And let me plan for it. Let me adjust. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll pick back up when this thing ends. And they're like, oh, no, let's just see how it goes. And then within a month, everyone's like, yeah, hey, we're doing all right. Like everything's oh, all right. Nice. Well, that, that's kind of where I wanted this show to go to because uh, I'm in a weird spot. You know, I've been doing the show for a little bit now. Uh, I've got some followers and some shit. So, uh, you know, I've had companies reach out to me, and, and you know, I've never really been, never, you know, like never really done anything like that before as far as like sponsorships or or pro staffs or anything like that. But uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys who really need like okay, as an individual, as a personal person. Like I, I never did the pro staff or anything because I never really needed it. I'm like, I got a good job, you know, like my base and stuff aren't that expensive. So I never really, you know, did the pro staff thing or anything like that. But now that, I, you know, now it's a show, now I'm doing something like this. And so I'm getting these things, I'm getting these offers. And it's like, you know, I want to hear like kind of kind of your growth from like, you know, when you first started to where you are now, where you actually got no shit sponsors. Uh, you know, what was the rep that you took? Because right now I, don't, I really don't know. Like right now I work with two people. And they're, and they're both just cool people that I like. Like one's a coffee company. He's just a friend of mine. I'm like, well, screw it. I like coffee. Uh, the other, the other was a lure company. I, I kind of just wanted to experiment with them to kind of see like if I, if I could promote a brand, like, you know, the, the, if it was something that I want to do, something that I was uh, willing to put like time and effort into promoting before, you know, I started taking people's money and, and, and pretending like I'm the guy to invest in, you know, I wanted to make sure I had some practice first. So I took, you know, I took this, you know, little deal that I have with this lure company, but uh, what was like your growth? I mean, cause I know a lot of people talk shit about uh, uh, pro staff and like, you know, I see pros and cons on pro staff. And I know 
pro staff is a difference than being sponsored. And I know there's different levels of sponsorships, uh, you know, all those different things. But what was kind of like your growth into it? Like, where did you start to where you are now where, like, you're doing contracts and, and, you're, and, and there's exchange of money being involved? Um, are you talking about just for the podcast or, like, in general? When you say podcast, like when I think of you, I don't think of podcast or show. I, I think like the brand Basquatch. You know, it's like uh, it's the podcast, it's the show, it's yep. you as an individual. Like to me, it's just you're that whole network. So I'm just a podcast, but you know, you you're a pod. But it, it's it's all like to me. To, to, when I think of you, it's all like in, intertwined as one. Well, the podcast, um, like this week is, or actually, geez, is it today? My podcast What's is tonight. It? I just realized that. Nice. Um. My podcast tonight is episode 129, so I've been doing it for 129 weeks, and I didn't have any financial sponsors for the podcast itself until, geez, probably at least almost about a year. Um, it was it was after episode 52 actually, so it was probably a year and a half. Um, it was about a year, year and a half, um, and it wasn't because I didn't have the following for it either. Actually, it was because. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in a really weird spot for then like a different spot than most people when it comes to sponsorships. So I've done three sports at a level where I've had sponsors. Um, like I don't want to say professional sports, but well, one of them was a professional sport for sure. Like I, I, um, I, I did mix. I think I told you this last time too. I did mixed martial arts. Yeah, I did too. And I wasn't as good I as had, you were. <laughs> I had sponsors to, to cover my expenses and my traveling and to make money on that. And, and I ran a, a fight team and stuff. So um, I have experience with sponsors before social media existed. So things were very different back then and you were very accountable. You, you were face to face, you know, so things were a lot different. So I carried that mentality and those morals over to this industry. So I won't work with a brand unless I know I can make them money. I, I won't take, I don't care how much money someone offers me. If I don't think I can give them a return on it, I, I won't take it because it doesn't, it won't make sense. You know, like if, if you're, if you own a company that sells, uh, sells fishing line and you make a dollar per spool that you sell and you offered to give me 20 grand to sponsor my show for the year, I would at least have a second guessing conversation with you and say, Hey, how do you think you're going to make more than 20 grand off of me? Like that means I got to sell 20,000 spools of line to make just to, just to break even, but breaking even isn't worth an investment. So let's say you want to make 30 grand in return. I got to sell 30,000 spools of line. Like, do I personally think I could do that directly? Honestly, no. Um, so I wouldn't want to take that deal because then I'm it, someone's not going to win here, and I don't right. want it to. I don't want to just take your money and be like, "Cool, you're never getting it back." Like, that's not that's not going to grow anybody. So I waited a long time for the podcast, even until I felt like there was something to offer. Um, and same thing with my brand. I waited about a year. Um, I was doing this full-time-ish. I still had my day job, but I was doing, I was fishing and filming and making YouTube channel and stuff. But I, and I didn't even reach out to brands um, until they started reaching out to me. And I, I did that on purpose. I would, I would put in the work first and I preach this like crazy all the time. So if anyone who's heard me say this before, it's redundant, I'm sorry, but it's the most important thing I could possibly pass on to anybody doing any industry. Um, I created value for myself before I expected anything in return. And I know it's a crazy concept for some people, but earning something is much more efficient than asking for something. So I waited to the point where I had uh, like feel free kayaks. Um, I hope they don't mind them name drop them on this one, but I waited until they reached out to me um, because I was doing so much. I was promoting, I I fell in love with my kayak. I fell in love with the sport and I told everybody about it. I waited to the point where they reached out to me and said, look, like we got to do something with you because like you are everywhere. Like what is like, we don't know who you are, but we can't stop hearing your name everywhere we go. Like, and you're promote, you're signing up dealers for us. Like what, what's going on? I'm like, well, I want to create value. I like what I do. I like what you guys do. And you know, I've been a customer for over a year. I bought three kayaks from you full retail. I'm very happy with them. Um, And then they came to me. So then it, it gave me a little bit more power at the negotiating table um, as, as most of the companies I work with, I, I, I proved myself for at least a, a full year, um, as a happy customer before I ever would expect anything, but because that way they already know, you know, if right. I'm already making money for somebody, you know, if I'm promoting dark waters podcast and my efforts of promoting made you $10,000 for the year and I'm just a happy customer is all I am. I'm a happy listener. That's it. Right. Eventually you're going to look at it and go, well, I got to feed the machine because the machine is doing great. Right. And you'll, you're going to look at it and go, cool, you made me 10 grand this year for free. Like, thank you. Now let me, let me give you 10 grand to try to make me 20. 
Right. You know what I mean? And that's the mentality people have to have in this, and especially in this industry, because this industry, you know, I, I, I have a little term for it. I say the fishing industry is full of burners. And when I say that, it's, I mean, it's full of people that burn people and full of people who've been burned. Everybody and their mother who gets a pro staff from some of these companies that just throw them out to anybody. My dog right here, by the way, um, have you seen my dog? I've seen a few pictures of him. Videos. He was sleeping next to me. So, so when you guys look at this cute little ball of joy here and you see a cute little poodle chihuahua mix, what you're not noticing is he's a professional fisherman on two pro staffs. <laughs> like using his picture and his biography that I made up, he was accepted to two pro staffs um, last year. And I did it on purpose as a joke. And I did it almost, I almost did it in a way I didn't promote it publicly. This is actually probably one of the first times I've mentioned it publicly, but I didn't, I won't ever name the companies because I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to bash anybody. Um, I did it because I was hoping that somebody at the company would realize it was a flaw in their system. Right. I was hoping that somebody somewhere, which they haven't, he's been on the pro stack. He got a letter this year. He's been on there for two years on two, on two teams. Um, so he's a professional sponsored angler, according to some people. Um, like he gets no joke. He's gotten mail to his, his it just, it's funny. Um, like the emails are for, they say, see the poochie on them. It's funny. Um, but anyway, um, that's the problem with, with what's happened is you can get on pro staff so easily and people take that and run with it. And they start telling people that they're a sponsored angler and, and they're a professional and all these things. So people start listening because they think they're supposed to. And then they go up to, um, you know, company Joe Schmo over here and say, Hey, I'm a sponsored professional kayak fisherman or a fisherman or whatever I am. And I work with all these companies and I want free stuff and I want 500 bucks a week and I want this and I want that. And then some companies, you know, these guys don't understand the social media industry. They don't realize that you can buy numbers sometimes. So some of these guys have a lot of fake numbers that don't actually produce results and they'll buy into it. And then after like six months, they just wasted thousands of dollars in product and, and expenses right. and they, they got zero in return. So now what happens when someone like me or Robert Field or, you know, Chad Hoover or someone that's got a reputation comes around. We say the same thing. We have numbers to back it up, but that guy supposedly did too. You know, so I call this an industry of burners because people don't have the integrity to back up what they say or to have the, the moral capacity to understand that if they rip somebody off, it's only going to hurt them and the industry as a whole in the long run. Right. Um, so I don't know how many companies I've talked to where, you know, they look at my numbers and they look at me and they say, you know what, we love everything, but we invested in the wrong people last year and we lost a bunch of money. We got nothing in return. Like, how about we start out on this level just so you can prove yourself a little bit further? And I've done that with every company. I've had to. It's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like, like not to get too personal here, but as you know, I'm like the most open book in the world. Um, but I got divorced two years ago. And also, this is the first time publicly I've talked about this, too. Um, I got divorced two years ago, and I haven't really been dating because it was a terrible divorce, and it was just a terrible marriage, terrible situation. Um, and I, I always make jokes when I do go on dates with girls. I make jokes about how they always tell me about the bad guys they've been with. And I'm like, you know what? Everyone – like, I have to work against every bad guy they've ever met. And that's how the right. dating world is in your, in your 30s. You have to work against every bad thing that's happened to them. Well, right. same thing in the fishing industry. Is when you go out to a company and you shop out your numbers and you you're trying to sell yourself as a brand, you're working against every single person that ever started a YouTube channel or ever lied about their numbers or ever, you know, tried faking it until they made it but never made it kind of thing. You're working against every single person that broke their word, that broke their integrity. So it's it's creating a really, uh, I mean, a lot of the bigger companies they can see through it and they're very selective. Um, but these smaller companies, man, I've just seen, I've seen some of them close up because they invest in the wrong people. Um, I've seen them lose all their marketing dollars on somebody who's no one's ever heard of. And that person never even made a Facebook post about them. Um, so not to get too far off topic here, but, um, circling back to it, that's how I started is I, I spent a year with almost every company I've been with that I'm with right now. I've never lost a sponsor. So every brand I'm with right now, I've had since day one. Um, I've outgrown some brands, but I've never lost a, a brand. Um, they always grow with me because they know that I'm, I'm, I'm honest. I have integrity. I produce, I grow, I evolve every year. They know that whatever I do for them this year will be better next year and keep on growing. Um, and I, and I know these companies are the same way. I believe in them, but whatever they're making this year, they're going to evolve and create something better for everybody next year too. And they're going to promote me more and you know, it's going to go forward. 
And, uh, like, you know, I, my rod sponsor, I used them for a year and a half without ever getting any discounts or anything. Um, and then after a year and a half, I was like, all right, now I know your product. I know it very well. I know everybody that works there. I know everyone that uses your product to you. I, I'm very comfortable and familiar with everybody. Now let's have a talk. Um, and, and that's how people need to start doing this stuff is, is, you know, people are ruining the game and it's supposed to be fun. You know, the sport's amazing. The fact that I can make a living inside this industry is amazing to me every day. Um, right. You know, it's not easy and it's not fun and it's, I mean, it is fun, but it's not always fun. Um, the stress levels and anxiety levels are amazing. Uh, you know, it's just <laughs> the stuff I sacrifice are incredible. Um, you know, but at the same time, this is supposed to be fun. You know, this is supposed to be, it's a sport that we all love, that we all find some kind of, you know, um, therapy in or some kind of solace in. And, you know, it is, it literally is my therapy fishing in general, um, has saved my life multiple times. Um, and I know others that it's literally done the same thing. So when people go out there and just lose their integrity because they're trying to get a quick buck or they want to say they're sponsored or they want to, you know, have stickers to be able to, you know, show off to their buddies, um, you know, they're ruining a lot more than just their name. And, you know, if you do it right and like the way you've been building your podcast, like, you know, I, the way you've been building your podcast, I really like because you're not doing, you're not doing clickbait stuff. You're not doing interviews, um, trying to stir up drama. Um, and you have, you've had opportunities to actually like your most recent interview. Um, <laughs> you've had opportunities to actually like be very clickbaity and, and, and stir up drama. And that's how you can get likes and views. And you didn't do that. And I really liked that. I really appreciated that because that's what keeps fishing podcast podcast in general, having a good reputation, a good name is when there's people that have integrity that are doing them. You know, you had somebody on your show that was very controversial, you know, but you didn't use it for clickbait. You know what I mean? Right. So, well, yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I know because that guy was like, it was a promise that was made. He deserved to be taught. Like, he deserved his five, you know, his five minutes, 10 minutes. And, you know, I was, unfortunately, I was the only one who was willing to give it to him. Um, not unfortunately. I mean, there's a reason why other people didn't do it, but, you know, I didn't have any uh, thing personally invested into it, so I just did it. And um, it was I'm a glad, good interview too. Yeah, I was glad it went the way it did. I was really nervous about it because, it, you know, because like because drama does sell, and but you want you don't want to like it's okay to have a little bit of drama, but when you go 100% drama, then next thing you know you become like people got to choose if they like you or, or don't like you. And I don't want to, I don't want people to choose. And I never want to, I, would, I never want to uh, explain myself either. Like the moment you start having to explain why you did something um, is the moment that questions arise. And, and then it makes you know, it's, it's just downhill from there. It's like, you're constantly having to defend yourself. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to defend myself. You know, I want everything to be, you know, the way it is. Yeah. It's one thing when, if drama finds you, it's usually because you're doing something right. If you find drama, you're doing something wrong. Right. And, and that's where you, that you were at that crossroad with that interview where drama was going to find you for doing it. You knew, you knew that going into it, which is, that's fine. That's the good drama. That's the drama that when I get that, like when I have some random stranger, like I had one yesterday, it was pretty funny. Um, but like when I have a random stranger that I don't know, like start attacking me on social media or like making like comments, like insulting me, like it kind of makes me laugh a little bit because it's just, there's nothing behind it. Like, I don't know them. They don't know me. Like, you know, there's nothing behind it. But if I'm going out calling people out and I'm going out looking for drama, starting drama, that would ruin my brain in 24 hours, you know? So you you were at that crossroad where you could have – I mean, you really could have. You know you could have, too. You I could have. Yeah, I know. Yeah, dude, I you could have sold that like WrestleMania, dude. <laughs> yeah, easily. But but that that's what I'm talking about, though, is the integrity behind it. That's why I'll be on this podcast every single week if you want me to, man. Like, I love your podcast. I like what you do. I like you as a person. Um, you know, you have the integrity that I believe that the sport needs and that people in general need. Um, and that was a good example for me is that is that you had an opportunity to find drama and you just sat back and let it find you and said, you know what? I want to do this because this is something that I think is enter entertainment for people. Like, people want to know this. People want to hear this. Um, and what you're doing as a, as a podcast host is trying to convey information in a way that people want to hear it, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, and there's a lot of fishing podcasts out. I mean, I, I think mine's one of the older ones, um, besides Ike live. I don't know the dates on his either, but I know he's been around longer, but, um, it's the same idea. It's like, I don't, there's so many things that I've wanted to do with my podcast over the years that I was worried it was going to come off the wrong way, even though I, it would be great entertainment and, it was something I actually wanted to do, but I was like, you know what? If people see this the wrong way, 
I no longer have the integrity of the podcast. And I and the podcast doesn't really make me any money. I mean, I lose right. money on the podcast. I really do. Um, I've never made a profit on the podcast because the time that I put into it, the amount, I mean, you've seen my studio, the amount of equipment that I have and gear I have, um, I'll never make money on the podcast. And I don't, I mean, I could if I wanted to, I guess, but I don't want to. Um, right. I do that as my outlet. That's my therapy. That's my way to talk to everybody at once. That's my way to have conversations with people that I want to have conversations with um, that I think people could benefit from hearing. Um, you know, and that's just how I do the podcast. When I get sponsors for the podcast, it's because I want to do giveaways every week and I want to pay for shipping and I want to pay for all the supplies and the gear that I have. And, you know, I have thousands of dollars of gear in my podcast and it takes me, you know, three hours a week to do it. Um, you know, I want to make sure that I can afford to do it. You know, so I, I make sure it's covered and you know, that's pretty much it. Sorry, we, we went off on a huge like. Yeah, I forgot where we started. <laughs> yeah, we, we st- I believe it or not, I know where we started because I keep track of this crazy roadmap I follow. Right, um, right, but, right. but we had one of the biggest uh, Mike McKinstry squirrel moments right there. And it went off on like two different like side roads, like no, back into good. the woods. Um, but yeah, good. we started we started out asking how I got started with sponsors. Um, and I what? went into the snowball about how the integrity works with it. So, yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's all good. Like, I mean, it's just because I. Like my biggest fear, you know, like doing this is like just being full of shit. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to be full of shit. Uh, you know, that's just it's not the way I want to be. And so when these when these kind of questions come up, you know, I've had people reach out to me. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know how I feel about that. Because for what you know, it's like, we, like more of my problem with the pro staff. It's like, well, why do, why do I want to be in a pro staff? What do I know about this company? Who are these people? I don't even know the owner. Like, why, why would I want to be? You know, and so and that's you know, good had, of you to do that. Yeah, and I've had people reach out to me, and it's like, well, what do I – I don't even know you. It's like – I, and I hate, hate to be like this, but I got an idea. Like, if you want me to promote you, then send me some free shit so I can at least know what it is. Because right now, I don't need anything. Like, right now, I, I work. I buy my fishing stuff. I got everything I need to go out tomorrow. So if you want me to start promoting a brand, I, well, I need to know at least that it's a good brand because, you know, especially when it comes to, like, fishing lures and things like that, it's like that, that, that market is saturated. Everyone I know is making their own fishing products right now, or they're the fishing lures. Uh, you know, I got I got like six or seven friends who make plastics uh, or uh, hard baits, and so it's just like it's just like, you know, like I'm not you know I'm not trying to say like one's better than the other, but I'm saying like if, if somebody wants me to do that, it's like well convince me that it's something that I want to do, and then like even like the bigger companies that I've reached out to, it's uh, you know, they would offer me something, but they never even had a conversation with me. I'm like, oh, this is not a good deal because you guys didn't even want to like, I mean like. You know, like I want to know who the owner is, so you know, I have an open, not an open door, but like at least a, you know, someone to talk to, so I know, like you know, just because I like your brand, just because I reached out to you, doesn't necessarily mean I, I want to work with you. It means that like I'm interested in working with you, but I would like to be, you know, a, a flow of information, so I know exactly the expectations and you know things like that, instead of just like you know throwing me a, a pro staff deal because I don't need a pro staff deal. Like I, I have everything I need to fish right now. A pro staff deal. Um, Besides the one, the one company I am doing it for, but I'm literally just doing that for uh, just experience. Because like, you know, I've never promoted a brand before. I've never done anything like had to take pictures or make a video or do a shout out. I've never done any of that before. So it's like, well, I need some practice because I, I don't think you can just go in there and expect a great offer for someone and, and expect to you know to really grow or promote that brand if you have no experience. And that's at all. So that's what I, I kind of see like the. Uh, there is some benefit in doing a, a pro staff. Like if you're new to this, like don't be jumping in and then asking the instruction here because promoting a brand, I found out is a little more difficult than what I thought it would be. You know what I mean? Well, not only that, but I still, uh, I still do pro staffs. And I, and it's funny because like even some companies kind of chuckle when I tell them that they're like, wait, here's your whole media kit for this huge TV show you're doing. Here's your YouTube channel, all your stuff. And you're still willing to take a pro staff deal. And I was like, well, here's, here's my theory of it. I want to prove myself to you and I want you to prove yourself to me. Right. So what better way to do that where I'm not going to promote you on my show. I'm not going to promote you like super heavy, but I'll use your product and people are going to see me using it, but I'm not going to talk about it yet or anything until I'm confident with it until I'm, until I'm comfortable knowing that it's a good product and that you're a good company. So, and then they do the same thing with me. I'm like, give me your product for me to try out. And if I like it, I'll keep it and I'll use it. And if I really like it and we think we can work out and we can actually come to an agreement where I can grow you and you can grow me, we can both benefit each other. Then we can talk about a contract and working on the show and do all this stuff together. Um, there's some brands that just give me free gear and I don't, you don't ever hear me promote them. Maybe you, maybe I will sometimes if I, if it's, if it's relative, like, you know, yeah, I posted a picture of a net that I was using the other day and it's a net from a company I'm not sponsored by in any way. 
Um, I got the net for free. It was a $25 net. It was nothing really important, but I've been using it for three years and it's my favorite net that I've used. Um, I have four different nets from four different companies. I use for four different things. The main one I use is from um, Pro Fish Gear, which is line cutters. Um, Vance is a good friend of mine. I've done work with them over the years, um, done a lot of videos for them and stuff. And um, they don't pay me to use their gear, but I use, I have a Bass Squad Hunter TV custom made line cutters ring in my life jacket every single video. Um, I have the Pro Fish Gear net that I use in every single video too, um, for bass at least. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of, like, I believe in the company. I love the brand. I love the people behind it. I love their mission. I love, like, I would feel comfortable telling my own mother to call them if she had a problem. And I know that she'd be treated good, you know, and that's, so I don't need to get paid from a company to do that. But if they wanted me to promote them on the TV show and air commercials and, you know, do social media blast, obviously I have to get paid for my time and my work. But um, going on what you said too, I do want to touch on something and I'll make it really short if I can. Um, I'll try to like go through it in bullet points to make it so it won't segue too much. But um, when you're working with a company, I always say, I always say this, start with a pro staff for the reasons I just said, because pro staff will give you a chance to prove to a company what you're worth, which is good for you because instead of saying you want X amount of dollars or X amount of gear, then them expecting to trust you blindly. Right. If you prove your worth to them, you'll most likely you're going to surprise them and impress them and you'll get more than you would have asked for anyway. And then you're also starting to build a long-term relationship. So when you're looking at companies and it's something I learned the hard way too, instead of going to, um, you know, Joe Schmo's bait company down the street where your buddy's making his baits pro staffing for him is never going to help either one of you. Um, cause at the end of the day, I've done this before. Um, at the end of the day, if you promote him good, then you're going to get him into retail. You're going to get him into nationwide and he's doing this on a side in his garage. He can't keep up. He can't do demand. Yeah, yeah. He's going to let everybody down. He can't keep up with pricing for wholesale for retail because it costs him too much to do it. So he can't even compete with the other guys. Um, selling them at tournaments and stuff like that. Sure. That's great. But that's not going to, you're going to hit a ceiling pretty darn quick with that. So how much can you actually grow his company? Not that much. That's not worth you asking for money or anything. Just get free baits and tell your buddies about it. And once you hit a certain level of growth, try to use that as a launch pad to get a bigger company that you can actually grow more with. Um, and that's where people drop the ball a lot too, is I'll see on, pro, on someone's Facebook page, 15 pro staffs. And it's all like companies that their buddies own. Like, you know, it's like JJ's bait company, um, you know, Josh Smith's fish sauce or, you know, like all these like, you know, you know, Jay's spinner baits and it's like all these things. And it's like not one of these is actually a company that you can grow. So what 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 are the one you get out of this? Like, you know, if if you have your own baits and I'm using them, how much is your reach? Like, how are you going to promote me? Do you have a bigger reach than I have even? Are you going to be able to even promote me more than my own audience? And if you're not, right. then what am I going to get out of it? Um, yeah. And then vice versa. You know, if you're if you're Z-Man Fishing Products, where you're one of the largest names in the game, and I have seven Facebook followers, what am I going to give them? Nothing. Right. So why would they even give me a free bag of bait? You know what I mean? So it's like starting with a pro staff is smart. It really is smart because proving yourself is the. I mean, I've had relationships that have lasted over four years already in this industry, which is long. I mean, it's like Hollywood romances. They don't last long usually because companies go up and down, and people get flaky, and you know, people give up when they see how hard this industry is. Um, I've been growing with every brand I started with four years ago. And it's because I started out as pro staff or ambassador as team members. Um, I didn't get paid from any of them for over a year or two. And I earned it first. I made it where they didn't have a choice. But they're like, well, you're making us a lot of money. We have to start paying you or we're going to lose you to somebody else. Um, and I also always upgraded brands. Like I start out with a small brand of the pro staff, get a good reputation, show them solid sales numbers. Then I go to a next a bigger company and go, look, what I did for this smaller one, I'm going to do the same thing for you. And then you can do the same thing for me. And then we grow again. And then if I hit another ceiling, I go to a bigger brand and then one that doesn't have a ceiling, like, you know, like Z-Man and Feel Free and FX Rods, like these big companies um, where they don't have ceilings. I mean, they could go nation worldwide. They can handle the, the sales. They can handle retail. They can handle a thousand orders a month, you know, and they can also have a big reach to promote me too. Right. Um, so um, that's the big, uh, I don't know. That's, that's the big kicker, I guess, too, is that people have to realize when you enter an agreement or a relationship with a brand, you need to think ahead of time of where your ceiling is going to be and what you can actually give them and what they can give you. And if you're, if you're not going to make, like you said, you work with your buddy's bait company, right? Uh, it's not it's not buddy's bait company. It's a, they're a little bit bigger, well, a little bit more well known. But they're, they're I, I felt like they're a good starting point because they're not my buddy's bait company. They're a little bit bigger, and so I'm like, 
you know, I've reached what, out to them. What's the, name of the, what's the name of the company? Do I know? Uh, like, X, X, X don't lures. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that one. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're like, you know, they're not as big as Z man, but they're not that small either. So, so could they, uh, could they fulfill dealers nationwide though? Like, are they, I want to say, I, I want to say that they're actually in like Gander's outdoors and places like that. So. Okay, cool. So, so that's, so that's a good example then. So that company right there, you're starting out with a pro staff. Um, it's not my business. You don't have to say it on here either, obviously, right, but right. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's just free product for now. Right. They're, 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 we got, yeah. There's a few things going on with them. Okay. But. So before, well, all I was going to say, I was just going to use it as an example. So let's say metaphorically, let's say that all you're getting is free product and that's it. Um, and in turn, you talk about them on your podcast or something, or you do one Facebook post a week or so, whatever it is. So if, if that's equal value, like if you're, if you're promoting enough or you're selling enough product and you get enough exposure for them, to cover their cost of them, the baits they're giving you for free, that's a happy two-way street. Now, let's say you started overperforming. Let's say you signed up some dealers. Let's say uh, because of your podcast, someone heard about that brand um, in Texas or in California, and they're like, hey, we want to order those baits. We heard about them in this podcast, and we looked them up, and they look pretty legit. We want to get them. They tell the owner that they heard about it from your podcast. So now you're, you just created a bunch more value. Um, because now you opened up a whole new market for them. So now that company can come to you and say they should, if they're a good reputable company, which I'm assuming they would be. Um, they come to you and say, hey man, we got a phone call from California. They're ordering 5,000 packages from us. Like, you know, holy crap! Like, we're gonna give you a raise. We're gonna start paying you 500 bucks a week. Keep on doing what you're doing, and let's see if we can get more. And that's how it's supposed to work. But it can't work that way unless you do the way you're doing it. You can't. You can't work that way unless you show your value and you earn what you're getting. If you go into a place and start demanding things, like I work with a lot of companies so closely where I get emails for the sponsorship requests and I help manage some of their teams. And some of the stuff I see on there is just like, I want to message back almost and be like, dude, are you, are you kidding me? Like, are you, you're crazy, right? Like, <laughs> Hey, I just started fishing tournaments. I'm doing my first one next week. Um, can you pay my entry fee and give me all the free gear that I, that I need? Because I'll talk about you if I win. It's like, uh, that's a very, that's a very common email. Like, or the bass boat guys, I'm like, I'll talk about you up on the pedestal when I'm up at the, at the podium and I'll talk, I'll mention your brand. And it's like, what, like, what do you think? <laughs> like, what, what do you think that's going to, you think everybody that's at that fishing tournament is going to go, oh my God, did he just mention a brand that I've never heard of? Everyone let's stop what we're doing right now and buy it because somebody talked about a brand that has no reputation in the industry yet. Like it's right. just, and it, and it, and it, it, it kind of made me more, um, to use a millennium term here or millennial term, um, it made me more woke in the industry when I started seeing these emails that come in all the time. Like I get them all the time and I'm just like, people are actually expecting that they're supposed to earn a sponsorship. They want money and products and expenses covered, not because they've earned anything, but because right. they're just asking for it. And then if you don't give it to them, they throw a fit. Right. Like I've had people leave some of the teams that I work with this year because they didn't get enough free stuff. And then when they were asked, well, what did you do to, to grow the brand? Like, what, what do you like? We didn't see anything from you. Like, how can we justify it? Well, give me more free stuff and I'll show you. Ah. And it's like, that's conversations that I've actually had. And I just kind of look at people and I'm like, this is why there's a bad reputation. This is why it's so hard for people to actually get sponsors and actually keep sponsors in this industry. And it's, it's hard for these brands to trust people. You know, right. pe people ask and demand, but they're not willing to work and earn anymore. And right. that's what separates me and Robert Fields and a lot of the guys that are doing this because, you know, I promise you, I, I've, I've been pretty close with Chad Hoover, with Robert Field, with, uh, you know, a lot of these guys. And I mean, we all, we all have our moments in life where we struggle bad, like where we're like, what do we do? Like, holy crap. Like we left our jobs for this. Like, this yeah. is tough. And then we, then we have moments where we're like, Hey, this is all working out. Like everything is working great right now. You know? So there's times where people want to give up and we don't. And that's the, that's the reason why there's like the four or five of us that do this because we didn't give up when those times happened where luckily I don't have, um, you know, I hate to say luckily because I, I want a family, I want kids and everything, but um, luckily at, a, at this time in my life, I don't have kids. So I don't have to support anybody else but myself right now. So when I do get in a spot like that or if a sponsor goes out of business or if they pull out because their budgets or um, anything happens, I have the freedom to be able to just be by myself. Like it's a lot easier. Um, right some of these guys who have families and they're taking the same risk I am, that's where it gets, you know, like Chad Hoover's got three kids, you know, um, that's a lot different of a risk. That's why he has his hand in so many 
different things because he has to, um, where someone like Robert Field um, is single, you know, like I am. So we don't have a family to support. So he can live on the road and he could, you know, we could take a little more risks and chances and stuff like that. But um, it's not an easy industry. It's not for the weak hearted. That's for sure. Um, you know, doing professional mixed martial arts wasn't much easier. Um, it was easier only because there was no social media. So right. there wasn't a lot of like you couldn't fake it, you know, like you're you're not on a team, you're not on a video, you're in a cage fighting and people are watching you live and your performance speaks for itself. And that's literally it. I mean, you go to the gym, sponsors come and watch you at the gym, watch you train. Um, you know, people, your your trainers are there. Like it's very transparent. Fishing industry nowadays, nothing's trained. I mean, you can you can create an image. You could buy your views. Um, you'll get caught eventually and get shut down. Obviously, YouTube is pretty good at that. But you could buy all your views, buy subscribers, build a brand, fake everything, and probably get away with getting a sponsor or two or a couple of pro staffs at least before you get caught. And then it ruins it for the next guy. Right. You know what I mean? So either way, start small, earn it, grow it, use every step as a stepping stone so you can launch from it. Um, and that's the best advice I can give on that too. Man, I talk way too much, man. I'm sorry. I know, I, I man, but... But it's perfect, dude. I catch dude. myself sometimes. It's perfect because, like, we're coming up in an hour. Great place to wrap it up. And, dude, I just got an hour-long show. So now I, I was running I was running uh, late this week because of uh, the holidays and everything, my knee injury. So I wasn't able to put an episode out on Monday. So everyone will appreciate the uh, the hour-long episode. So I really do yeah. appreciate <laughs> the show, man. Um, it's always great talking to you. I love following you. Got to catch the uh, podcast a little more. For some reason, I'm always working or something. So, but, uh, man. Well, tonight will be a good one. It's at 6, uh, six o'clock, so in four hours. Um, and tonight will be a really good one, too. I got to go out and run some errands before that. But it'll be, uh, it's, uh, it'll be a really good show tonight. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming to the show. Appreciate you making time to come to the show, even though this COVID-19 kept you at home. But, uh, man, good luck with everything. Uh, keep me updated on uh, what's going on with the show. And if you ever need a place to go, Upstate New York is always beautiful and a lovely place to be. So thanks yeah, a lot. I want to come back up there, man. But yeah, thank you for having me again. And uh, I appreciate the, everything you do too. So I'll talk to you soon. And if anyone has any other questions, obviously you can always uh, private message me or get a hold of me too through uh, Basquatch Hunter TV. All right, bro. Well, I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, cool. Thanks, man.